the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hi, folks. I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan. If you'd like hearing knock-knock jokes and jokes about your grandmother, go somewhere else! Oh! oh my god, this is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the Two Man Power Trip Podcast. This is Cody Rhodes, and you are listening to Two Man Power Trip. Good, how you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man, what's going on? We ready to go or what? This is a uh, special visitor, the hardcore legend, Mick Foley. It was a very rough feud to go through with Rick. It was a very bitter feud, too. He certainly didn't like me at that time, and I didn't like him, and we were both trying to be at the top. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't beat me. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that, and every kid, I, they knew they could kick the shit out of at this point, well, I'll be at a signing, and little kids will come up to me and throw up the click sign or talk about, oh, your ladder match with Sean at WrestleMania 10. I go, wait a minute, you weren't even a glimmer in your dad's eye. But yeah, bro, it's really flattering and, and amazing and humbling. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Slam and angle taking his time now, and now the ankle up. No, it's going to be over. Oh no! Count him. Oh no! She counted it. Ten. Ten. Somebody stop the clock. Seven. Stop the clock. No, 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 no. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Eugene wins. Eugene wins. Eugene won a gold medal. Two-man power trip of wrestling, and you were listening to the flagship two-man power trip of wrestling interview podcast. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week I am joined by my tag team partner, the one and only JP Paz. And today on the show, we are dipping into the ruthless aggression era of the WWE, welcoming in somebody who was a large part of that. But we are going to be talking about a huge event that we've got coming up here on Saturday, March 14th, as we welcome in not only today's sponsor, Acre Gold, who, as you know, in a few minutes, you'll be hearing about Acre Gold and all the products that we will be discussing, but also we welcome here our guest, formerly known as Eugene in the WWE, but one of the most respected guys in the industry, Nick Dinsmore joining us today here for a wonderful conversation on the TMPT Empire 
And John, I'm going to welcome you in here now. Obviously, a guy like Nick Dinsmore, uh, respected by so many guys in the business, uh, did so much in terms of uh, success in the ring and brought to life a character in Eugene who is, quite frankly, an unforgettable one of this ruthless aggression era that's been getting so much attention in the last couple of weeks. But uh, what do we have to look forward to here in this interview with Nick Dinsmore? Yes, he's talking all about Dylan the Destroyer's third annual autism awareness fundraiser for the ASWA, like you mentioned, on 314, the Cornerstone School Gym in Worcester, Ohio. All proceeds go to the Northeast Ohio Autism Group. That's kind of the first and foremost, the big thing that we're kind of pushing along on this episode. But also, we do talk a lot about his career and what's going on now and, and what kind of he is up to with his midwest all pro wrestling doing some training doing some wrestling really kind of uh, setting off uh, the dakota up north wrestling scene up there which is really really cool and i just think it's a lot of uh, interesting things that people don't necessarily think of him as like a trainer or somebody that's really been involved in that side of the business but he really has been for a very very long time he was a trainer and a big time helper and a big-time mentor down at OVW with all those guys coming through. Whether you realize or not, when he's in the ring with these guys, he was helping training them along because he knew where they were headed, and maybe he was going to be at OVW for maybe a little bit longer than they were or maybe more of an extended period. But he was kind of an in-ring trainer, and he would help them with classes and different things like that. So he'd really been that kind of guy where he knew the business so well and he could help train the guys and obviously was around for several more years before them, so he knew more. He had more experience. Experience, but that even lends itself to NXT when he was a trainer in the first class of NXT, which we get into a lot in the interview. And I think a lot of people don't even realize that or don't notice that. But I think it's re really cool that people started noticing it because somebody recently put up the picture of the first class of NXT uh, for some weird, weird reason. I'll throw this out there quick, but I don't really want to get into it too much. But Bill DeMott, it seemed like he was edited out of that picture, mm -hmm. which I just thought was really, really weird. And I think he noticed it. But anyway, people were like, wow, Eugene, what is he doing there? Nick Densmore. Oh, yeah. He was one of the trainers of the first class of NXT that first year it opened up. So interesting stuff from OVW to NXT to the Midwest All Pro. He's doing a lot of training. And uh, that is some really good, good stuff from him because he's got a ton of knowledge and a ton of experience. Yeah, I mean, and everybody who worked with him in that era loved him. I mean, he just, he, he was a guy who always went out of his way to help people. And, uh, I, I mean, I've always heard such great things about him from guys that were in OVW, guys that uh, came through NXT, and guys that worked with him on their main roster. I mean, he just came off as somebody who was so, you know, astute to the business. But I always kind of loved the story of Nick Dinsmore because all we heard about for years was Nick Dinsmore, the shooter, Nick Dinsmore, the worker, Nick Dinsmore, the guy who could get in the ring and could have the best match on the show, and he's dominating the developmental system, and it's a matter of time before we see this guy, Nick Dinsmore, hit the main roster of the WWE in the mid-2000s, and all of a sudden, <laughs> we got him. But it definitely wasn't in the realm I think we thought we were going to get him as they kind of took a odd step backwards in terms of how they were progressing this now glorified ruthless aggression era and they went from bringing in these gritty you know your Heidenreichs of the world or your Snitskys or you're just like crazy you know gnarly looking guys to taking a guy like Dinsmore who could work his ass off and turning him into Eugene the quote-unquote nephew of Eric Bischoff yes so Interesting. And they would always say his quote unquote special nephew. And <laughs> you know, it was somewhat of obviously, I mean, of an autistic character who knew wrestling, knew the holds, was a big fan, memorized everything, could kind of watch it and learn it as far as the character is concerned, watch it and what he saw on TV and then kind of imitate it and be really good at it. But really, Nick Densmore is such a great athlete and such a great wrestler. So interesting that they would have him play this character. And I get into this because if you're an old, old school wrestling fan like we are, we know there was an old school fan named Eugene who obviously had special needs. And and you want to like kind of say, like, is Vince making fun of this fan? I mean, is that possible that he would do that? But uh, Nick Densmore, Eugene, in, in the interview, explains that he doesn't really necessarily think it was that. But the character was based off of that fan. And that's where they got the name from. Eugene was from the fan Eugene. And if you watch a lot of the old um, WWF, you notice like you'll see that fan. They even have videos of him and they're interviewing him and stuff. He was just a super fan 
that had some special needs. And it's interesting that that name stuck with Vince. Like, you're Eugene. You're the character. And I asked Nick Densmore about it. He goes right into it. Yes, that's the name. That's where it came from. You know, he created the the character, so to speak, the, the look and the gimmick of it and kind of changed it, morphed it into his own thing. But that's kind of the crux of it. And that's just so interesting to me that Vince would say, oh, the super fan. And I'm going to turn him into a wrestler, and you know I'm going to do this and that with him. So I asked Nick Densmore, "Do you had any any reservations about doing the Eugene character?" And he really didn't. He said it was really more of an inspirational character than anything, and that a lot of fans really took to him. They really liked him, and he didn't get too much negativity about the character and playing the character, which is just so interesting to me because you think that maybe people would be saying, "Oh, you're making fun, you're doing this or that," but it was almost the opposite. They were really proud of him and happy that he was playing the character because it shows that you know they could do it too you know they could be wrestlers if they want to be and he was somewhat of a superhero to them and they gave him a huge role i mean there's Mm -hmm. no two ways around it he got a huge role he was in big matches and that's where like it's the weird part is that we're supposed to believe he was like an inept you know kind of like uh you know character who you know could do like you said special things but like there he is in main event matches with Triple H, there he is, you know, teaming with Chris Benoit. There he is, you know, interacting with The Rock and all these guys. They put him in such a big spot. Uh, and, of course, pairing him with uh, with William Regal, which was classic. I mean, it beloved the character of William Regal, who was always such a, a badass heel for so long. And now he turned into a babyface because he was protecting Eugene. Like, they dialed into so much success with the character. But then you even think about little things like the WrestleMania 21 movie parodies where they do... Eugene is Forrest Gump. I mean, they took what they had and they made like this massive, you know, WWE character that now is ingrained and unforgettable, you know, and that's I guess that's the WWE marketing machine, you know, at its peak where they could take somebody like that, that you would think is a jokey character and boom, there you go. He's still Eugene today. Yeah, and you said the pairing with Regal, that was big for him. WWE Tag Team Champions, and probably would have been longer had Eugene not got injured there, but that's just something really kind of cool. It's like, wow, you're former WWE Tag Team Champions. So they were doing something with him, and they really liked him, and that chemistry with them was great. It was kind of like the odd couple, but it was just so great that those two are paired together because in actuality, I mean, just both two great, fantastic professional wrestlers. And like you mentioned, too, the feud with uh, like a guy like Triple H, which led to a huge match at SummerSlam 2004. And then the next year, 2005, a huge match against Kurt Angle. So, I mean, they definitely did a lot with him. They were giving him big pushes against big-time wrestlers and big-time matches at big-time shows. So that was really cool. And then, like you mentioned, WrestleMania 21, also the thing with Muhammad Hassan and Hulk Hogan. So yeah. a lot of, a oh, lot of right. cool stuff that they did with him and kind of made him a very important and a, and a big character. Like, well, you're right. Like, you almost think they would make him jokey and stuff, but they actually did stuff with him. I mean, he beat Kurt Angle. He was actually he won his gold medals at one point. <laughs> I, I, I asked him what kind of Kurt thought about that because you would think – that Kurt would be like, oh, no, 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 nobody's won my medals. I'm the gold medalist. And, and you'll hear in the interview, he gives a great story about what Kurt Angle thought about it. And it mostly positive. So, I mean, it's just really, really uh, good stuff. And, you know, he had a little mini feud with Vince. Uh, he's teaming with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. So, I mean, he, he kind of just ran the gauntlet there and did so many different things for them. And like I mentioned, he, they brought him back in 2013 with the uh, performance center. And uh, he was a role, had a role as a trainer uh, under triple H. You gotta love it. And again, this event that he's got coming up here, you know, it, it's not only is it helping a good cause, but he's also got some great talent on there. And uh, if you're in the area and you can support it, you know, obviously it's March 14th. Like we said, the Cornerstone School Gymnasium in Worcester, Ohio. Our big buddy Kevin Thorne will be on the show. Uh, Madman Fulton, who we had on the show late last year, he'll be there as well. I mean, it's a great, uh, great show, a great cause, an autism awareness fundraiser. Um, just go out and support a guy like Nick Dinsmore. Uh, so before we get into it, just give us uh, one more little wrap up and little keys to the game. What do we uh, give? Give us some of the finer points to look for today in this interview. Yeah, we're gonna deep dive into Eugene. I mean, we're gonna go from A to Z, the debut to the exit. We're gonna get into the character, the gimmick, the look. Bischoff, Triple H, Kurt Angle, Vince. What was going on behind the scenes? 
what the fans really thought about it, what he really thought about it. And we're going to go really deep into that. And we're going to talk very deeply about his role as a trainer, what his thoughts and wrestling, you know, kind of the way it should be. Is current wrestling doing it the right way, the way he trains guys? I mean, we really do go in depth and you might not think that he, uh, you know, judging by character, judging by whatever, you, you might not think like, wow, Nick Densmore, you know, great trainer. Like this guy really knows his shit, but he really, really does. I mean, he really, we go into detail about the finer points of wrestling and his kind of thought process and his psychology and his ring awareness is just off the charts with what he knows. And just, if you're an inspiring wrestler, wrestler, fan, whatever, just really, you're going to want to listen to what he has to say. He's so smart, so intelligent, really knows his stuff. And, I make a, a great little joke about how he found his wife and he has a great joke about what people say to him about it and stuff like that. So that is some funny stuff in there as well to throw in, but uh, you're going to really enjoy this. Not only talking about his big show coming up on the 14th ASWA, but also talk about Midwest all pro. And of course, everything in WWE as far as the Eugene character is concerned. That's right, and stay tuned, not only for that, but also, like we said at the top of the show, Acre Gold, back here for another round on the TMPT Empire. Stay tuned for everything about Acre Gold, and with all that being said, let's hit you with a little bit of TMPT business and get it on over to Eugene himself, Nick Dixon. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Raslin Pal. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Check out the feed for awesome past episodes, including Bruno San Martino, Sean Mike, Dusty Rhodes, Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk. Goldberg, Ray Mysterio Jr., Arn Anderson, Glenn Kane Jacobs, and so many more. While you're on the web, visit ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. Visit our store, visit J.J. Dillon's store, Francine's store, and of course, the franchise Shane Douglas' store. For all you Android users out there, find us on Google Play and Player FM. For all you iOS users, check us out on TuneIn Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podomatic, and now Stitcher. And of course, check out the Empire. Yes, that is the TMPT Empire now. TMPTEmpire.com for all the latest and greatest on the two-man power trip of wrestling. And now, without any further ado, a former 10-time OVW World Heavyweight Champion. A former 11-time OVW Tag Team Champion. And of course, a former WWE World Tag Team Champion. You may know him as Eugene, but he is Nick Dinsport. Please enjoy. VW World Heavyweight Champion, of course, a former WWE World Tag Team Champion. You may know him as Eugene, but he is Mr. Nick Dinsmore. Nick, welcome to the two-man power trip. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited. You know, I'm, I've been all around the world. I've been, I've been, I've been to, to 21 countries. I've been to all 50 states. I've been to Kalamazoo, Kathmandu, Timbuktu, Rancho Cucamonga, and Lake Titicaca. But I'm right here on your show tonight. Nice. Love it. And of course, 314, March 14th, big show for the ASWA. You can go to ASWALive.com. It is Dylan the Destroyer's third annual autism awareness fundraiser down in Worcester, Ohio at the Cornerstone School Gym. Tell us a little bit about that show and what you're going to be doing there. 
It's going to be crazy. It's going to be insane. We're going to have so much fun in Wooster. I'm so excited to be coming to Wooster. I'm going to see all my friends there. We're going to create some awareness. People are going to realize what's going on and what we got to say. And I want everybody to come out. You said it right. ASWALive.com is the place to get all the info. March 14th, Eugene's coming to town, and we're going to have a good time. When the Eugene character came about and you enter in the world of the WWE. How does that whole thing come about? I mean, Vince McMahon, you, like, how, where does that whole Eugene character kind of stem from? Well, I had a trainer in Louisville in uh, OBW. His name was Rip Rogers. Rip's son has autism. And Rip had given me the idea of what about if there's a character similar to like the Rain Man character that we saw Dustin Hoffman play in the movie, you know, that, that, that could do everything that he saw on TV flawlessly, but he wasn't, you know, that social. There, there, there were some, 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 some social uh, uh, discrepancies whenever he went to talk to promoters or other wrestlers or even girls. And uh, I pitched it to Vince McMahon, and it was just something that, you know, I, I, I really got a, a, an opportunity by WWE to go out there and, and play this character that I, I knew from, from the beginning was going to be a, a, a comedy, you know, fan-friendly fan character that uh, that everybody would have really enjoyed, and I was given the opportunity, and I got to go out there and have fun and um, bring a, uh, a, a character to a target audience that didn't have one. It is such an interesting character, and, you, you know, you never know kind of the, the thought of where it came from or what kind of the push of it was or, or why it was pushed. Your idea, and Vince liked it. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was in a meeting with Vince McMahon, and, Vince goes, I want to get back to character-based wrestling. And I thought about this character months before, but I really didn't have any uh, uh, character development to exactly who the character would be. And I just kind of spit it out. And it's great. We'll start on Monday. So I had to kind of figure out who, who Eugene was on the fly and just go out. And, but uh, I'd, I'd done the wrestling for nearly 10 years at that point. So the wrestling wasn't the hard part. It was really just, you know, fleshing out, you know, who, who this character is and, and, and finding out how the fans related to him. So how do you think when when it debuted? How do you think the reaction was? Um, the first couple of times Eugene was out there, I think the people were still kind of iffy. But once Eugene had his first match in the ring on Monday Night Raw and he won, then everybody realized, oh, this is an underdog story. This is a story of a of, 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 of a boy that had a dream and now he's achieving it. It wasn't just a backstage character that you know, that, that, that was going to have lines and they were going to do comedy bits with. This is actually going to be an, an in-ring character that, that, that achieved his, his dreams and, and set goals and, and, and got to him. So I think once that happened, then everybody fell in love with Eugene because, you know, I, I've had friends of mine, people that I've met on the road, people that said, you know, my, my younger brother has special needs or my, 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 daughter, my son has autism. And once he saw Eugene in the ring achieving his goals, they said they could do it too. And it was like a, a an empowerment such a cool feeling, right? I mean, such an awesome kind of role to play and, and really a role model for a lot of fans. It was really incredible. I mean, I've gotten so much, you know, positive affirmation from doing this character. There was some people I think were a little disgruntled about the character initially, but none of those people, I think, had someone in their lives that, 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 that had any, any condition like this. So um, once, you know, I, I was out there and I was doing good and, and people and, and the fans related to me and, and the people that, like Eugene, like Eugene, it was it was off and running. Now you mentioned there's some disgruntled fans. What would they say that that you were making fun or that they didn't like where the character was headed? Well, it was never directly to me. I think WWE got some shots from the media. Really, I don't I don't know that I ever heard any one person say anything, but it was really kind of media outlets going, "Oh, this is not politically correct. WWE shouldn't be doing it." When I, I don't even that's what I'm saying. I don't even think it was anybody that that, that is in that, you know that, that that lives that life had anything bad to say about it. It was it was media just wanting to knock somebody. <clears throat> the name Eugene. So many fans and rumors are going around. There was a fan years ago who who had special needs that that they had on camera a few times. I believe his name was Eugene. Is that where the name came from, or no? You created yes, you created yes, the name. Yeah, yeah, no, no. The, um, Eugene. I believe his last name was Palermo. I think I'm not sure, but. Uh, he, he lived in Pittsburgh. I think he's still alive. I, I met him, mm-hmm. you know, while, while I was on TV. I, I met him. I got my picture with him. He used to come to the shows. His yes. father was either his father was was either a friend of the wrestlers, or maybe he did some part time refereeing or something like that when they came to Pittsburgh. And he would bring Eugene with him. And Eugene was like just uh, just uh, I mean, good hearted but out of control. He he'd get in everybody's bags, and then they said he'd be putting on Vince's you know fur coat and got and got everybody's Rolexes <laughs> on his on his arms and. He's picking up all, all the greasy boxes from the from the trucks to haul everything. And everybody's like, Eugene, calm down. And it's rumors. You know, I'm not one to spread rumors, but 
Fabulous Moolah made a man out of Eugene. That's the rumor. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So when you're doing this character, do you have any reservations about, like, you know, maybe he would, the guy Eugene would maybe be upset or anything. Was there any reservations at all? Never, never. Like I said, I got so much positive affirmation. I mean, Eugene was loved. From, 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 and then I started doing it from the minute he started winning, and people saw, you know, this is a character we can get behind. You know, doesn't need to put Eugene on TV today, and the fans would love him just as much. They bring you in as Bischoff's quote unquote special nephew, as they said, and, you know, he'd, you'd be on Raw and things like that. Do you think that was a good way to debut you with Bischoff and have him kind of bring you on, on TV? Well, absolutely, because it gave, it gave Eugene instant credibility. He's, he's, he's related to a, a name in wrestling that is known around the world, and then he's partnered with William Regal. I mean, you know, there are very, you know, two, two people that, that, that could have made this character something enormous, and they did. They, they lended credibility, and just, you know, when, when Bischoff and Regal, either one of them were on TV, people were going to tune in to watch it. So it was like something, you know, it was just, it was, it was perfect writing. What did you think about the chemistry with Regal? Oh, it was it was magic. Like I've never before in, in my career, never since had the magic that we had on air, you know, or traveling together because we traveled together. We we I would drive and, and he would sit passenger side and play all of his music that he likes and you know and, and we would you know, do uh, meet and greets and stuff like that. And it was just uh, it was a magical time because it was just everything was fun and everything you know, the people got behind everything we did and it was it was incredible. As far as him as the wrestler and you being a tag team partner with him, is there anybody kind of better than him to be associated with mentoring or not mentoring, but protege and he's your mentor. Is there anybody kind of better than him in that role? I mean, other than being partnered with Vince McMahon, I don't think so. I feel like he's almost underrated in that aspect where it's like, man, he is such a wrestling genius. His psychology, everything was so great. I feel almost underrated. Which I mean that, that, that was thing. it. Like I, I'd get in the car, and it was it was Regal and and Tajiri and Tajiri and myself. And Tajiri would he he spoke English, but he didn't talk very much and he didn't speak English very well. So I would just get to pick Regal's brain for hours and, and miles and just you know in any scenario I thought of, what about this? Why why is the wrestling business like this? Why are we doing this? And he always had an answer, and, and all the time it was correct. Is that a great thing, a learning lesson, where it's not really so much in the ring, but it's. In the in the car rides, on the road, traveling, is that kind of where you learn most of the stuff? I, I, I think so because, I mean, it's much like study. You can study as much as you want for, for, for any given field, but you actually have to be out there doing it to learn it. But then it's a process of then taking what you've done and say, okay, how could I have done it better? You know, what, 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 at what point should I have done something different? And somebody with a trained back can say, you should have done it this way. You could have, you know, I, I liken it to like almost stand-up comedy. If a guy does stand comedy, he goes out and he tells his jokes and they don't really get any laughs, he has to know in the moment, on stage, how to change it and get people to react. But it's also being, you know, having the mentor, like you said, to come back and say, hey, you started this and the people started to laugh. You need to know right there that that's the way you need to go because that's, that's, that's what the people like. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, perfect yeah. sense. Great analogy, too. Yeah, definitely. And as far as winning the tag titles, you beat La Resistance. Was that a huge moment for you? Was that just maybe as much big as it is to you as it is to fans? Hey, WWE former tag team champion. Well, it was for me, absolutely, because it was in Indianapolis. My mom was in the crowd. I had spent most of my career at OBW tagging with Rob Conway, who was one half of our resistance, and then just winning the tag team titles on Monday Night Raw was, you know, with, with Regal, who was someone that I looked up to. You know, he was the mentor, and it was like just every piece was in place for it to be a, a moment, and it absolutely was. Do you think you guys should have had a longer run with the titles? Uh, we would have, but I injured my knee. I tore my patella tendon in uh, Puerto Rico on the New Year's Revolution pay-per-view in January of '05 and had surgery. And then in my eight months off, Regal got drafted to SmackDown. And then I, I uh, came back on Raw and worked with Kurt Angle. Did they tell you that you were going to have a longer run, or they don't even tell you – you know, you get hurt, and that's the end of it. Like, oh, you would have had a longer run. They don't bring that uh, up to you? Well, I mean, it, it, everything was going well, and there was no reason to stop doing what we're doing. I mean, you, I, you can tell when, when stuff kind of fizzles out and, it's you know, it's run its course, but I don't think we were there yet. Plus, I was really hoping for a turn angle. At the end, Regal could turn on Eugene, and we could have that one-on-one match or a series or angle or something. I think that really would have gotten over. 
But, you know, as it stands now, he has yet to turn on Eugene, so we can still do it. <laughs> now, I do want to mention, before I mention Kurt Angle, I want to mention that, you know, you, you fight Bischoff and you fight Coach, but really, when you fight Triple H at SummerSlam, I mean, that's a huge deal in, in a huge match. And, you know, that's kind of a, a big spot they put you in. Were you thinking, well, like, wow, this is, this is awesome. You know, I'm going to be wrestling one of the top guys. Well, it started when The Rock came down. When The Rock partnered himself with The Rock hadn't been on TV in two years, and The Rock came down and was Eugene's friend, that started the big snowball that that, that, that led to the match with uh, with Triple H at, at SummerSlam. And it was just that at that point, stuff was like really got intense. I'd been touring and I'd been on TV for a while, but once you're in that top spot, and you know. People, I mean, people, they really get the camera on your face, and people know you, you know, at, at the airport. People know you when you go to the grocery store, when you go out to eat. That's when, you know, you, you feel like a star. And, yeah, it, it was kind of fast, and it's all kind of surreal, and it was a moment that, like, you know, came and, and, and built up. And, you know, I, I remember walking to the ring for SummerSlam, and it was like, wow, this is really happening. Cause it was, you know, I'd spent 10, 11 years wrestling, and now I'm, you know, in, in a main event match with one of the biggest names in wrestling, it was. Uh, it's hard to even think about looking back on it. It was. It was a surreal moment, as they say. Now they always say this could be wrong, but they always say that when Triple H sees somebody's getting hot or you know somebody's getting over, he always wants to work with that guy. Smart, you know, savvy, political, whatever you want to say it is. Do you think that Eugene was getting over so much? He kind of was like, all right, I got to work with it. Eugene. It's really getting over now. I mean, you can look at it that way, or you can look at it as like Triple H is top of the mountain. And anybody that comes up there, that's who they are going to face. You know, if you climb to the top of the mountain, you're going to fight whoever's there. And if Triple H is there, that's the guy that you got to fight. But it was, you know, it was it was an honor for, for even if that is the case that you know anybody that gets hot, Triple H wants to work with them. That's an honor because there's a whole crew of guys that he's never been in the ring with. Right. Very true. Very true. And you mentioned, of course, Kurt Angle. Not only do you wrestle him, you beat Kurt Angle. You win the gold medals. What was that like? That's it was awesome, shocking, and, you know, a little bit funny, too, because the way he played it off. Like, uh, the thing about that, Kurt was, knew, knew that he was going to go into the angle with John Cena after our program, and they asked him, they said, who do you want to wrestle? And he asked for me. So that was an honor. But I had known Kurt. I wrestled Kurt before he was ever on TV in a dark match, and then I helped train his brother, um, Eric, Eric Angle, when he came to Louisville. So I known Kurt, you know, fairly well. And then for him to ask for me was just like, wow, that, that, that was an honor. But yeah, he 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 made Eugene in that whole series by just he's being aggressive, and, and Eugene just happens to win the gold medal, and we had a, a great match in Washington D.C. at the SummerSlam. You're like kind of the king of SummerSlam, the two uh, huge, huge matches back to back. Well, I don't know. <laughs> that's 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 the way the cards fell, and it was, it was it was awesome. It was a good time. Were you surprised at all, like with Kurt, that he was so? Like, okay, you're going to, you know, uh, he basically, you know, he's a gold medalist. Caesar's gold medals means a lot to him. Surprised at all that he's so just like, yeah, he's, I do want to work with him. And, yeah, I should lose the medals. And, like, being so agreeable. No, no, Kurt was was was, was great at this business. I mean, he was, he's by far one of the best it's ever been. And, and he knew, you know, he, he knows that a guy's got to give a little to get a little. And, and he, he actually mapped out the whole, you know, the whole course of the angle. And he was, he was very generous and, and awesome to work with. As far as kind of moving along in, in your career as Eugene, did you feel that at some point it was stalling a little bit? They didn't really give you much? They were kind of, you know, lessening the character? Uh, I mean, but, but but that's the way it is. You know, there's ebbs and flows. You know, you, you can't necessarily stay in, in, in the forefront the whole time. You know, how can I miss you if you don't go away? So, so, so they pull people back a little bit, and then when the time is right, they, they push them back out there, and, and they get over even more. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm working every day, you know, so it's not like I wasn't, I wasn't around. I just wasn't in that, you know, featured top tier. What about teaming with Hacksaw Jim Duggan? Do you think that that was a good for you, bad for you? Like, what was your thoughts on, on that team? I, I thought it was awesome. I grew up watching Hacksaw, and he was a hero to me. And, and just to be able to tag with him, um, I wish we could have done something where we won the tag titles because as a fan, Hacksaw never won a title in WWE. And, and we, we, we had this idea where, you know, he, he's, he hadn't competed in WrestleMania in I don't know how many years, and all of a sudden he comes back to WrestleMania and wins the tag titles, and, and the longest absence between between two WrestleMania appearances plus his first tag title win, but didn't work out. We didn't have a pencil that day. Is it one of those things where they don't listen, they 
they do listen, but they won't really take your ideas. Like, what's the creative like at that point? I mean, for me at the time, I didn't really pitch a whole lot of ideas because I was always under the, the, the notion that, you know, you show up, you keep your mouth shut, you do what you're told. But looking back now, uh, I really feel that sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So if I would have brought, you know, more ideas more often, pitch more stuff, throw as much stuff against the wall and see what sticks, it, it might have happened. But at the time, you know, I was I was still, you know, fairly new to the WWE, and I, I was still in a position where I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just here doing what I'm told and, and loving it, and everything has been good, so... I could have been a bit more vocal, but then again, I've seen guys who get vocal and get the door, so who knows. What about the heel turn? Do you think that was kind of crazy for Eugene to turn heel? Um, I I, I thought it would have been good for, for character development, um, character like, you know, uh, what's it called? Just, just, you know, evolution of the character. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, uh, I don't want to say I wasn't given a good enough platform, but it was just... I don't, I don't know. It, it, the people really didn't want to see it. And as much as I tried to, to be a certain type heel, it just wasn't – the people weren't going to bite on it. I feel like whatever character I was trying to portray wasn't necessarily picked up that well by, by, by the fans. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it didn't last very long. It lasted about two weeks. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then they just went back to Eugene. It was just something that, that I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure that the, the creative team was 100% behind it because they really didn't have an idea of exactly where we are going. We are going to see what happens. Does that happen a lot there? Like, they're like, okay, let's just throw it up against the wall, see what happens. I mean, I feel like when I was there, yeah. I mean, not, not, you know, there are just times where it's like, you know, we'll go out there and just see what reacts, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll play out the reaction. You don't want to plan out months and months of something in advance, and then people don't buy it, or somebody gets hurt or something. Sometimes it's just, let's go week by week. Do you subscribe to the, the like more modern psychology or you're more old school? I mean, you started in basically the mid nineties. I would assume was more old school, but are you kind of of the mind of, of where the business is today or do you kind of like more old school? Well, I'm of the notion that, you know, that all the guys that have drawn money have done it with that old school psychology. Sometimes there's ways to take things that are more modern, but then make them old school. So that, so that something that's old is now new, but, uh, if we're trying to present a competition with something at stake and you take me out of the realm of this is a competition by doing something that might be entertaining and might be liked, generally throughout history that is not drawn money. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Do I mean, you... like, like I could roll a grenade in the ring and everybody blows up and everybody loves it and I think it's funny and it's entertaining. And although I think that might have a place on the card – Guys that have drawn money in main event matches normally didn't do stuff like that. That doesn't mean that you know that doesn't mean we don't need to do it. That just means the right time, the right person needs to do it. Do you watch a lot of that stuff and just kind of not roll your eyes, but you're like, oh, I don't know about that. This you know, getting over to the mainstream and to the cat. Yeah, yeah, everything. I'm, I'm I'm the cynical old heel now, badgering everything. Back in my day, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Get off my lawn. Yeah, exactly. Every time, every time I watch wrestling, I quit the business and burn my boots. So, <laughs> <laughs> so do you really follow kind of current product? I know you've got some stuff going on, but do you follow really the current product TV week in and week out? I, I mean, I mean, I, I follow it as far as like social media kind of gives it to me because just whatever's out there, I'll see. And then, like I say, I'm, I've got students here in, in South Dakota and Sioux Falls that I'm training. They kind of keep me up to date on what's going on. And I might watch a little bit, but we do it. I don't. Work, I mean, I do, I do record it, but I, I rarely watch it back. But tell us a little bit about that Midwest All Pro Wrestling, your promotion and your training training camp going on out there. Yeah, I was uh, I was a coach at the Performance Center from 2012 to 2015, and when I left there, I knew I wanted to start my own wrestling company. It was just a matter of where. Uh, my wife is from Sioux Falls, so we moved back here to Sioux Falls, and we opened the first uh, company here in, in, in South Dakota and pretty much uh, in the nearest couple of states, at least. I mean, um, the, the nearest uh, company is probably three hours south from us. But we started Midwest All Pro Wrestling in Sioux Falls, South Dakota in 2015. We've just, just elapsed four years. We've been running monthly uh, events in Sioux Falls. We've been running events all around the area. I've trained, uh, I don't know how many wrestlers now, but I've probably, I probably got about 25 or 30 on roster right now. Um, several have had tryouts. I haven't yet, yet got anyone signed yet. So that's kind of like my, my next big step is to get someone signed by WWE and then have a, a champion. Although on our first two events, Shayna Baszler was on our first two events. Although I didn't train her, she was from Sioux Falls, and, and she headlined uh, our second event. 
She was the main event match, and I think she had had about six or seven matches at that time, but she threw a hell of a crowd here. That is awesome. I didn't even realize she was from there. Wow, that's great. Yeah, her, her, her father comes to all of her shows. He's got front row seat. He comes every month. Now let's pause one minute to tell you all about Acre Gold. Introducing Acre, the new subscription platform for gold. Acre lets you make small monthly payments and then sends gold straight to your doorstep every few months. Well, what are the benefits of using Acre Gold? Well, it's affordable to start. You don't have to pay out of your pocket all at once. It's convenient. You just set up the subscription and forget it. The actual physical gold bars are mailed right to your doorstep, and Acre branded gold is of the highest quality designed in California and minted in Switzerland. It's safe and simple with a gorgeous packaging. And of course, when dealing with Acre Gold, you get excellent customer service. So you're asking yourself, how does Acre work? Don't break the bank. Start buying gold for just $50 per month. And there's now even a $30 per month option. But watch your gold grow. Acre will keep you updated on your gold stash as you make progress. The gold is shipped to your door. Once your Acre Gold stash reaches the price of a 2.5 gram Acre Gold bar, they will discreetly ship you your gold. And the best part is you're in control. You can easily cancel or modify your plan to suit your needs at any time. So head on over to getacregold.com slash two man today and start using Acre Gold right now. GetAcreGold.com slash two man and start using Acre Gold right now. And now you can win a free gold bar by tweeting at get underscore acre and at two man power trip and at Chad EMB telling us why you should be our winner. Acre Gold is the smartest decision you'll ever make, and we welcome them here to the two man power trip of wrestling empire family. Damn, what a what a uh, dedicated and loyal fan you got there. Uh, hope she comes back and kind of pumps you guys up. That's great. Yeah, we got all kinds of loyal fans here. We got a, a nice little group of fans that come out and follow us everywhere, and it's, 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 it's growing. So, what is your style? Are you a Rip Rogers type? Like, what's your training style? Yeah, very much. I was trained by Rip, and I'm, I feel like that's the best way to learn the business. Although, I feel like a lot of times I give my guys a lot of slack to kind of see what they do and to let them be creative. Um, you know, so some, sometimes it, it does well, sometimes it doesn't do so well, but I feel like that's a learning tool because, you know, I, I could tell them what to do step by step, but if they do it, they're not going to learn. But if I go out and just give them a little bit of instructions and let them go out and be creative and try to try to get from A to B in their heads, and you know, that, that's really when, when you learn in the ring when you're stuck with the decision. Do you kind of use the OVW, Danny Davis, Rip Rogers curriculum where you're training, or you this is a hybrid? You kind of change it to more what fits what fits you. Uh, well, no, like like I, I was also doing a little bit of the training about 1998 in OVW until 2004. I, I did a lot, a lot of the training also, so I've taken some from there. And then when I was a coach at the Performance Center, I, I helped incorporate some of the drills that, that they use there that I took from OVW, and I've kind of meshed those together with stuff I learned at, at the Performance Center. And then, you know, stuff I've learned also outside in, in, in other sports realms of, of uh, training and just kind of mesh it all together. But the fact of the matter is you got to take the trainee and say, what are they best at? And how can I best accentuate their, 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 their uh, you know, the stuff that they're good at and, and how we need to work on their weaknesses, we need to accentuate their strengths, and we need to hide or work on their weaknesses or turn their weaknesses into strengths. And that's kind of the philosophy I take, because not everybody's going to be able to do every move that everybody else can do. You know, there are different degrees of athletes, and I have to go out there and figure out, you know, what is this person's goal? Is it to be a WWE wrestler, or is it just to have a wrestling match? Is it to wrestle in front of their friends and family here? So we got to, you know, vary the goal and then, you know, put the training uh, to that goal. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Clear, I, I always tell them clear as mud, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. Now, you mentioned NXT and the Performance Center and, and and being down there in Orlando. What was it like? You're basically, you know, in that picture they just released, you're in that picture. You're part of the first class of NXT, technically. That's right. You know, it was it was, it was great. It was a heck of an opportunity. I was the first class uh, of coaches there at the Performance Center, and it, it was a good run. I learned a lot. Um, but I, I knew in my heart that I wanted to run my own company. I wanted to have my own training center. I wanted to run my own shows. You know, I, as much as I enjoyed and as much as I learned there, just uh, I, I knew it wasn't going to be there forever. But uh, living in Florida as compared to living in South Dakota was uh, was nice. 
Oh, I can see a, a big difference. Uh, probably about 50 degree difference. Uh, oh my goodness! Yeah, it's it's 30 degrees today in Sioux Falls, and I think it was 75 or 80 in in Florida. So, you know, you could tan almost year round. But here, it's uh, the people and the fans that we have here are incredible. Like I said, they're they're, they're loyal. They come to every show. You know, that could be. There was a, a blizzard here, 15 inches of snow, and, and we still snowed out the building. I mean, people will come out for everything because they, they want support and, you know, can't stay trapped in the house when the snow storms. That is awesome. Do a lot of the people, when they come to the shows, do they want to see Eugene? Do they want to see that cool Superman outfit that you kind of started and made uh, very popular for yourself? Uh, I, I've worn that for a while, but after a while, I, I switched it up. I got like a... A light blue singlet now that really accentuates my shoulders and my biceps, but hmm. the fans, uh, the, the fans seem to respond just the same. They just want to see you out there having a good time because it's what, like I tell my guys, all my students, you know, if you're out there having a good time in the ring, the people are going to pick up on it. And I think you know, even if you watch WB, the guys that are out there and they're trying to think about what they're doing and, and they're really in their own head about going A to B, but the guys that are out there having fun and just you can see it in their face, the fans have fun. And then they, you know, they catch on much easier, and that—that's what makes a good match and a good moment. Now, as far as NXT and being down there and being part of that—that that first crop, was there a curriculum as far as how they wanted you guys to train, or was it kind of more open, were, were open-ended, where like they were kind of learning their way as well? Um, uh, I mean, I—it's I, a horrible answer. I kind of want to say both. There were like, especially because I, I taught some of the talent that was a bit newer that might not have a whole lot of experience. So the stuff that I was teaching was very basics, you know, for, for, for first time moves and stuff like that. But then I would work with a lot of the guys that were also on the TV show being an agent. So, but there was a, a style in WWE and certain things that it isn't so much WWE as much as it is television that work a, a, a certain way for television that you don't necessarily work in a live event. I think people kind of get confused that they, oh, WWE does the style is like this when it's not necessarily so much the WWE as is the WWE TV. So explain that a little bit because that I know I know what you're saying, but it's so interesting because I think a lot of people will be, will be like, wait, but wouldn't you wrestle the same in a live event as you would a TV? But you got to play for the cameras, right? Yeah, you got to play for the cameras, and then you got to think on a live event you might have. 12 to 15 to 20 minutes where on TV you might have two to five minutes. So it's, it's like, you know, you're the, the, in my opinion, the TV match is a commercial for the main of, you know, for, for, for the a live event match being the movie. You know, you want to kind of hit some of the highlights and, and, and what they're going to see. And this is like what they used to do in the old school where you pop up in the corner and you'd say, you know, Tuesday night, Jack, I'm coming to your town and we're going to do this. And the TV match was just an advertisement for the talent to come see them at the live event. Cause that's when you're really going to get to see the good matches. You know, it's kind of a, a compressed compressed version. But WWE has kind of morphed into it used to be it used to be a live event tour that happened to have TV to advertise the live event tour. Now it's turned into a television product that happens to tour on the side. Because most of the time the live event matches have no bearing on what goes on in TV. You know, pay per view to pay per view and on their T V product. So it's uh it's still in a, a, a weird sense because, you know, pro wrestling is evolving. Back in the days when it was first on TV, to where you know it was a live event with TV advertised, and now it's you know it's a huge media conglomerate known around the world. So it's uh, all the always in motion is the future. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and when you were down there with those guys and training, you know, getting them TV ready and, and getting them ready for the live events and everything, who are some of the guys you work with down there? Uh, Braun Strowman was in my class. Chad Gable was in my class. Sami Zayn was in my class for a little bit. When uh, Kevin Owens first signed up, he was in my class. I kept telling him, I kept telling uh, uh, Kevin Owens that they had this great gimmick for him. He was going to be the new Mountie. <laughs> and, and he was nearly in tears, like, please don't let him do that to me. I'm like, no, it's going to be great. They're going to bring in Jacques Rougeau to manage you, and you're going to be the new Mountie. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> That's great! Oh my god! Um, and then like like I would have you'd have open practice sometimes. So, so some of the girls like Bailey and and uh, uh, Sasha would come down and, and Charlotte Flair and I mean it was just all that crew that was on uh, right, right when they first started the NXT TV. I was working with a lot of them on the, uh, as a producer. The Ascension was huge over then, so it was it was a fun time. 
do you look at some of those guys and like shocked of, of where they've kind of ended up main eventing WB or you're like, wow, you know, I kind of knew it all along with some of them in their progress and where they would be end up. No, no, because the talent that WWE hires, every one of those guys that they hire has the potential to be a main event talent. And there's no reason why none of them should fail because they're given every opportunity, every resource, every, you know, the, they all have a huge gym they can work out at the performance center. They have a personal trainer at the performance center that can tailor a workout and a diet for each one of them specifically. They can work on their promos. They, they can have a huge uh, a library of video to look back on to draw inspiration from. Plus the, the coaches that, that are on site that they can, you know, you know, talk over whatever ideas with. Plus then on NXT, leading up to it, they, they get a million chances to, to go out there and try this stuff and see if it works or see if it doesn't. It's just whether – each individual talent can handle the stress of, of wrestling for the WWE because being on the road, you know, being in a different town every night, taking bumps in a rental car and in a, in, a, in a hotel bed, just up and down. And, and just, it's, it's a difficult life and not everybody can handle it. And was triple H the main man at that point? Obviously now he's really, really the main man. But was he really running things at that point? I think he's been running things from the beginning. The, the story I heard that was when triple H, transition from uh, just strictly talent to also being in the office. Vince had him go around to every department in, 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 in the company. Okay, go to marketing, go to advertising, go to the travel, go, go to this, go to this, and then come back and report. And WWE, WWE has a degree of excellency in, across the board everywhere, except at the time they were contracting with FCW, which essentially was an independent company, and that was the only part of WWE that wasn't, you know, up to that WWE world-class, you know, statement of excellence not that fcw was bad but it was what it was it was an indie company so triple h comes back and says well the fcw is not really there okay well that's your department now so then it was in triple h's hands and he went to the new york giants training facility and looked at what they had and said okay this is what i want and he kind of tailored the at least the training facility building after what he saw with the new york giants and this, as you can imagine any pro athlete at that level their the resources that they have are just are just first class so that, that's really what they wanted the the developmental talent to have and he's been in charge since you know since, since at least you know when, when i was there they say that the performance center or you just hear from wrestlers and from different people throughout you know interviews and talking and stuff it's a combination of the giants training camp and the wcw power plan do you agree with that I never saw either one of them, but I've heard that the, the Giants training camp is what is what uh, Triple H kind of patterned it after, and he and he might have you know gone off the uh, the power plant because I believe he he did some work there as well. I think with all the rings and whatnot. So, but I mean, if you're gonna have a training facility, you're gonna put all your rings in kind of one building and have mm -hmm. a weight room and everything. It's it's, it's really it's a world class facility. Were you surprised at all, like of just the? magnitude that they went and obviously spent all that money but just i mean just it's just an amazing amazing almost football like facility i mean we surprised like wow god damn we went from fcw this little you know company ovw this little company that could and now we're at this performance center my god no not really because if you look at the headquarters i mean that building is phenomenal and uh, you know if you look at wrestlemania if you look at their production values Everything that the, the, that they put out there has, like you know, like I said, it's first class, and you know, there, there's no reason that their you know training center should, shouldn't shouldn't be any different. So as we hit the wind down and we head towards the finish, what are some of your kind of favorite moments as Eugene? For me, I always remember WrestleMania 21, Muhammad Hassan, and the Hulkster. I mean, that was just awesome, and, and kind of the, kind of that moment. What about you? What are some of your favorite moments? Well, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, I've been in a battle royal with John Cena. I've been in the ring with The Rock. I was in the ring with Hulk Hogan. I even pinned this man one time. But probably yes. the greatest, the yes. greatest day in Eugene's life probably was was September twenty eighth, two thousand four. It was a Friday. I did a uh, personal appearance in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and that's the day that I met my wife. Nice, nice. Now, not to be mean or anything, but it is funny that a lot of people say, like, how did you end up with her? Do you ever think, did you ever say that? Do you ever hear people say that to you? Like, all the time, like, all the time. And I tell them the same thing. I said, what you do is, is you have some corny jokes in your back pocket, right? And you make them laugh, and then you just compliment them on their smile. And that's how you get in. <laughs> that easy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make it sound that easy, at least. 
Now, as far as just all encompassing your, your entire career, do you have some favorite matches that you had? I mean, OVW, you're kind of the, the king of, of OVW, really. I mean, 10 world championships, 11 tag team championships. You're the man there. you have some favorite matches throughout your career? Like, uh, when I first started training, I wrestled Rip Rogers nearly once a week. Um, and all those matches, I learned something. I look back as, like, those were monumental. Um, the, the tag matches I had with Rob Conway and the matches against him, I think were always just, I mean, for me, like, like I look back on as, as some of my best matches. I had a series of matches with Doug Basham, which, I mean, I, I think were probably my best matches. Um, you know, and, and as as I developed as Eugene, it was, it was like a different spectrum. You know, Mr. Wrestling Nick Dinsmore did as much wrestling as he could do, and Eugene was like on a different end of the spectrum where it's like, how much entertaining can I do? And I felt like I was, you know, very good at both. So, I mean, there's a lot of matches that I look back on. Like I said, winning the tag team titles, it was, it's been, uh, it's been an enjoyable run. Now, did you, I know you said you trained in, in OVW too. You helped train. Who were some of the guys you helped train there? Was it this quote unquote ruthless aggression era that they're really trying to push now? Yep, absolutely. It's, um, see, 98, they sent Rico Constantino, John Cena came, Victoria came, Brock Lesnar came, Batista came, Randy Orton came, Shelton Benjamin, and I was a, a coach from that the whole time when, when they when they would all come in, and I worked with all of them. And there's a there was you know a group that didn't make it, a bunch of big guys, a muscle guys, and you know, but there was a, a huge group that did, and, and those are just the, the top top names. I think there's 200 some odd people that came through OVW that, that ended up making it to WWE, and then. On the other side, there were guys that when when OVW had their developmental system, the guys were trying to get in from underneath that weren't hired. And Muhammad Hassan was one of them. He, he came there, and he started training with me in the beginner's class that I had there. Uh, Johnny from the Spirit Squad was one. Crime Time. Santino Morella came in. I mean, there's a whole group of guys that, that, uh, that, that, that came trying to get hired and did get hired and then made it to WWE. What about... The man himself, Jim Cornette. What did you think about him in OVW? JC was awesome. He, he helped me, I mean, tremendously. Like, at the time, I, I was a good wrestler, but he was the one that really kind of brought out a little bit more character and then put us in, in all these uh, uh, storylines to really get the people to care about us. And he was the one that harped on the fact, you know, Nick Dinsmore is so good and, and everything he would say that people bought into because he was established and credible and whatever he said had to be truthful. And he made me a star in, in, in Louisville. Do you think that some of the criticism with him is, is unjust? Because think about it. He's kind of responsible for so many big names, so many talents, developing them. Yeah, I, I, I would say it's unjust, but it's also a different time. And his, uh, He's always been one that's been kind of uh, stuck in a bygone era, um, and he knows it. And, and it's just, uh, I don't know, I, I think it's, it's, it's unfair, but, you know. I don't know what you do about it. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, 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 is we're in a business where it's supposed to be controversial and it's supposed to be somebody against somebody, and then somebody says something controversial and everybody goes against him. And it's like, oh, we can't have that. <laughs> what are we doing here? This is our business. You know? <laughs> Controversy creates cash, as your uncle exactly. would say. Exactly. You're right. Was OVW the, your favorite kind of place that you worked? Maybe WB, but it seems like OVW was basically your home away from home. I mean, OVW basically home away from home. Yeah, uh, uh, Cena and I would always call it, that was our camel lot. Because back then, you know, everything made sense. You got to sleep in your own bed every night. You know, every trip was, was under two hours. We were in the ring. You know, we were, we were young in the prime of life. And it was just, uh, it, it, was, it was fun. But it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, too challenging that, you know, you weren't, you know, on the road 106 days in a row and just, you know, no sleep and just pushing yourself to the limit. You know, you really got to work and train and work out and watch film and, you know, it was just, it was like college. I mean, it was, it was really, it was a cool time. As far as Eugene and Nick Dinsmore in your career, when it's all said and done, they close the book, what's the stamp? What's the lasting legacy that Eugene slash Nick Dinsmore leaves behind on the business? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Hopefully it's a good one. Hopefully it's, you know, people look back and say, hey, there was a guy that contributed to the business and, and helped a lot. And, you know, guy that everybody looks back and enjoys at the head, so... And he was a hell of a hand. <laughs> Whatever it was. Hopefully they'll look back and say he was a former world champion because I'm, 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 I'm still waiting for my title shot. Yes, love that. Love that attitude. <laughs> and, of course, let me bring it back to ASWA 314 
ASWLive.com for all information. It's Dylan the Destroyer's third annual Autism Awareness Fundraiser, Worcester, Ohio, Cornerstone School Gym. It's going to be great. And I love that you're kind of involved with it as Eugene because the character obviously means a lot more to Dylan and, and people with special needs and people with autism. And it's great that Eugene spread that awareness. Well, I mean, anybody can go out and be a champion. Uh, and I like being the, uh, the representation for that, you know, for that character. And we're going to go out and we're going to have some fun on March 14th and we're going to have a good time. And in Worcester, we're going to slam somebody down and we're going to give it to them good. Now, please give us your, all your uh, social media plugs before we let you go. Not only for you, Eugene Nick but also for uh, Midwest All Pro Wrestling. Yep, Eugene is uh, on Twitter. I'm big on Twitter at the letter U G E N E Dinsmore D I N S M O R E at Eugene Dinsmore. Midwest All Pro is at Midwest All Pro. Um, my favorite though is is the YouTube channel. I've got one for the Nick Dinsmore, and I've got one for Midwest All Pro. And uh, I enjoy uh, YouTube. YouTube is actually the largest social media platform that everybody uses, and I enjoy putting out videos, classic videos of Eugene, classic videos of Nick Dinsmore, and some of the stuff that I'm doing here here and now, and all the Midwest All-Pro matches, so that's where I want everybody to check me out. And I don't do Instagram. Nice. All right, great stuff. And once again, just got to remind everybody, ASW Live for tickets for Dylan the Destroyer's third annual Autism Awareness Fundraiser. Definitely check that out. And go meet Eugene, a.k.a. Nick Dansmore at the show. Nick, thank you so much for all the time you gave us tonight. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I will see you on the 14th, and we're going to have a good time. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.